about four years ago, uh, I have a son, uh, and he is 11 years old, and he is amazing. He's awesome. I've told you about him before. A lot of you know him. You've met him. He's very shy and doesn't talk very much. Uh, well, he's at home playing Legos, but, um, but he, uh, he's amazing. My kid is amazing, and I tell you what, one of the best things about him, he's got a really good heart. And four years ago, when he was getting ready to turn seven, we were having a birthday party for him, and we, uh, we talked to him about the possibility of asking just for Target gift cards for a specific purpose. And that specific purpose was that he was going to go to Target with those cards, and he was going to buy toys and items for the kids at St. Jude House in Crown Point. Now, I'll be honest, it took a little bit of negotiation, to talk a seven-year-old into giving away all of his birthday presents. But he did it. And the, the Northwest Indiana Times did a story on him about it and put his paper, picture in the paper. I've got a copy of it at home. And I was looking at it this morning, actually. And uh, I was so proud of him because he was willing to take the gifts that he was given and give them away. He was willing to take his gifts and give them to others who needed them. And I was so proud of him. I mean, because... That doesn't come easy for any of us, let alone a kid. You know, and, 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 and I'm so proud of him. And, and I'm proud of our church. You know why? Because we did the same thing in the month of August. We had our giveaway garage sale. We helped over 175 people who needed stuff. And we came, we, we brought our stuff. We brought our clothes. We brought in food and, and diapers and things like that. We brought our stuff to the church, to the church building. And, and people came in by, by, you know, just dozens and dozens and dozens of people. 100, over 175 people came in, and they took what they needed, and we used the stuff that we had, the, the blessings that we have. And we used those blessings to bless other people. And it was so important, I think, that we, be, that we need to learn generosity. We need to learn to be generous people. Because we serve a God who is generous toward us. God is so very generous to us. And we need to learn how to respond in generosity. And that's using the gifts that we've been given to bless other people. Using the gifts that we've been giving, given to bless the church, to bless the kingdom of God, to invest in things that last excuse me, forever. Because there's a lot of temporary stuff that we put our money into that's not going to last. But we can invest in kingdom things, in the things of God, and those things last forever. Things like relationships, our relationship with God and our relationship with people. To invest into people's lives, because people last forever. In one place or another, they last forever. To invest in the kingdom of God, to invest in the church, because the church lasts forever. So... This morning, what we're going to do is we're going to bring our series called Surrendered to a Close. We've been talking for the last uh, four weeks about this idea of the four areas of our lives that we need to surrender to Jesus. Uh, four weeks ago, on, uh, when we started this series, right after Labor Day, we talked about surrendering our hearts to Jesus. And we saw how that uh, the God who loves us with his whole heart can't be loved with half of ours. That Jesus doesn't want half-hearted devotion. He doesn't want uh, half-hearted love. That we are to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We are to love God with everything that we've got. And Jesus wants our whole heart. And then we talked about how Jesus wants our surrendered hands. 
that he wants us to surrender our hands to him in service by serving other people in his name. And then we talked about how, last week we talked about how Jesus wants our surrendered feet. And the Bible says that the, the feet of those who bring good news are beautiful. And Jesus wants to make our feet beautiful. And when we go and tell people the good news about Jesus and what a difference he's made in our lives and what a difference he makes can make in other people's lives, when we tell people about Jesus, our feet become beautiful. And we need to surrender our feet to him as we go and tell the world about Jesus and his love. Now, today we're going to talk about how Jesus wants our surrendered gifts. Next week, we're going to start a new series called The Vow. It's a series from Life Church in Oklahoma. And I want to encourage you to invite someone you know who's married or is getting married or maybe is divorced and maybe thinking about getting back in the dating game or something like that. I want to encourage you to invite someone to come and hear this series called The Vow. And it's all about the vows that we make to God and to our significant other, to our, uh, our spouse, uh, to our fiance, to our boyfriend, girlfriend. Uh, these are the, the vows that we make. And it, it's not just for people who are married, but it's, like I said, it's for anybody who knows somebody who's married. Because there's going to be things you're going to learn that you're going to be able to help other people in their marriages. So I encourage you to, to invite somebody to come check out the vow over the next four weeks. Uh, and then in uh, the month of November, we're going to start a new series called Next Level. And it's about taking GFCC to the next level uh, in uh, four different areas. And we'll talk about that leading up to Thanksgiving. And then it's Christmas time. So sleigh bells ring. Are you listening? I know it's a little bit early for that, but it's coming. It is coming. And with that, it's snow. Oh, I know. Isn't it sad? It is sad. But then... After Christmas, we ramp up to Galatians. We're going to go through Galatians in the first part of the year. We're going to hit Easter, and then it's going to be nice, and then it's going to be summer again. Yay! That's what I'm talking about. Not looking forward, not, you know, not looking too far ahead, but anyway. Um, so uh, that's where we're going over the next several weeks and uh, over the next few months uh, uh, with our studies uh, on Sunday morning. And just encourage you again to invite a friend to come check out The Vow or come check out any Sunday morning. I really love our church family, and I love not only the, what we do here on the stage and what we do here in this room, I love what we do out in that room when we are uh, fellowshipping with one another and getting to know each other and, and deepening those relationships and building those relationships. And I, I want you to know I love my church family, and I love you guys, and I'm so extremely grateful to God that he called me and my family here 10 years ago and that I've been able to be your pastor for 10 years. I, I love you so much, and I thank you so much for allowing me to do this. And oh, no, 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 no. But thank you. Let's open the Bible. Let's look uh, today at talking about how God wants our, Jesus wants our surrendered gifts. If you brought a Bible, great. Turn to Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can grab one out of the chair in front of you. There should be one on the, the chair in front of you. It's on page 685. Uh, or you can use your favorite app on your smartphone or tablet. Uh, you can use Bible Gateway or Version. Either one is great. Uh, and then uh, the words will be up on the screen as well. So let's look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is, this is the longest recorded sermon of Jesus in the Gospels, in, the, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So this is the longest sermon that he gives. And he talks about all kinds of practical ways that we can live for God. And he talks about marriage. He talks about adultery. He talks about murder. He talks, I know, really positive stuff. He talks about uh, um, divorce. He talks about... Uh, money, And that's what we're going to focus on today is Jesus' teachings about money in the Sermon on the Mount. So let's look at Matthew 6, 19 through 21. 
Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now one of the things you've got to know about this passage is that the, the construction of the original language, when Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, and store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, when he says those things, that what he literally is saying is, do not keep on storing up for yourselves treasures on earth. And then he says, start saving up, or start storing up treasures in heaven. In other words, this is how you have been living. You've been hoarding and storing up all these treasures on earth. Stop doing that, and start doing this, which is storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Now, what is the difference between a treasure on earth and a treasure in heaven? The treasures on earth are temporary treasures, whereas uh, heavenly treasures are eternal treasures. And that's when we invest our lives and our resources and our time, our talent, and our treasure, when we invest those things in the things that last forever, people, God, our relationship, the church, when we invest our money and our resources in those things that last forever, we are storing up treasures in heaven. But what we tend to do is we tend to store up treasures on earth. We want stuff. I want stuff. You want, well, maybe you don't want stuff, but I know I want stuff. You know, clothing, gadgets. I mean, okay, so Google is going to have, the, they're going to introduce the Google Pixel 2 this week. I'm a Google guy. I'm an Android guy. It's my tribe. It's all good. Uh, so uh, how many of you are iPhone people, though? How many of you iPhone folks? Got quite a few of you. How many of you are going to get the iPhone 10? Don't raise your hand because I don't want to know who's going to go out and spend $1,000 on a new phone, right? New, that's what the iPhone 10 costs, a K, a thousand, one large, a thousand dollars for a phone. Now, if you were to get into a time machine, which for a thousand dollars, I would hope the iPhone has one, but it, Android would. Anyway, um, so, uh, but if you were to get into a time machine and go back a hundred years and talk to your great-great-grandparents and say, by the way, guess what I'm going to do? I am going to go to the store. Uh, and they'll be like, are you going to ride the horse to get there? And no, I'm going to get in my car. Does your car fly? Nope, not yet. But um, I'm going to go to the store and I'm going to spend $1,000 on a personal communication device. And they would look at you like you had a third eye growing out of your forehead. You're going to do what? Where are you going to get $1,000? You must be the richest person on the planet. Nope, everybody is. Everyone's going to do it. And you're going to spend it on what? Now, after you explain to them what an iPhone does, we have a sign in our office. We used to have a sign in our office that says, uh, hardship is having to do without the things your grandparents never heard of. And how true is that, right? I mean, if, if my phone goes down or if the electricity goes out or the cable goes out and you're like, ugh, oppression. No, it, we... <laughs> We have it so wrong. We have it so wrong. We have so much stored up in these treasures on earth. And what happens? They don't last. They fall apart. They break. Jesus said, your, the moths are going to eat your clothes, or they're going to go out of style, or they're not going to fit anymore. <laughs> then you get to go buy new clothes. No. Moths are going to eat your clothes. Precious metals, they tarnish or they rust, or they corrode. iPhones break down. Android phones break down too. You know, it, 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 the stuff doesn't last. It's temporary. 
And even if it does last to the time that you die, then you don't get to take it with you. It doesn't last. Then your relatives fight over it. Or they go, this thing? What do I want that for? Stuff that you held so dear. Stuff that was so precious to you. Nobody else cares about. Instead, let's store up treasures in heaven. Let's invest our lives and let's invest our money and our resources and things that last forever. Things like people and relationships and our relationship with God and our relationship with the church. These things last forever. In the next passage, Jesus talks about our eyes. He talks about our vision. Look at verses 22 and 23. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And you may read that and go, what does that have to do with treasures on earth and treasures in heaven? When we focus on the wrong things, it's like we have spiritual cataracts. When we focus on the wrong things, it's like we have spiritual cataracts. Like we can't quite see what's most important. We can't see what is truly best. And we are full of darkness when we focus on the wrong things. And so if all we're using our vision to do is to see the things that we want or to see the things that we want to hoard or see the things that we want to uh, store up for ourselves here on earth, our eyes are full of spiritual cataracts and we can't see what's most important. But when we do see what's most important, those eternal things, those relationships, the, this relationship we have with God, our, our church, the, the people around us, when we, when we look at those things that matter most, our eyes are opened and we are able to see clearly the most important things. You know, God wants us to use our resources to invest in those things that last forever. Because everything that we have comes from Him. He is the one who blesses us with everything that we have and we are to use the blessings we've been given to bless other people. In James chapter 1, this is what James wrote. He says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. That every gift we have, everything you have, every, every stitch of clothing you have, your car, your house, your apartment, whatever you've got, your food, you didn't do that on your own. God is the source of all of our blessings. God is the source of everything that we have. He is the giver of all good gifts. He provides for our every need. So everything we have comes from God. I, are you kidding, Sean? I worked hard for that. Who gave you the energy to do that? Who gave you the job where you could do that? Well, I, I went to college. Who gave you the brain? So God is the ultimate source of every blessing that we have. And we need to use those blessings that he has given to us to bless other people. And this goes all the way back to Genesis. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, God said to Abram, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. So the purpose of God blessing Abram was so that Abram would go out and bless other people. And the reason that God blesses you and that God blesses me is so that we can go out and bless other people. So that we can invest in those things that last forever not in the temporary things of this world. We need to invest ourselves, our time, our talent, our treasure in things that last forever. 
let's look at Matthew 6, 24, and we'll close it with this. No one can serve two masters, Jesus said. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, that's important because we try to do that, don't we? It's like, well, I'll just love money a little bit. I'll try and love God a little bit more. No, Jesus says the two are mutually exclusive. You cannot love both God and money. You will either love money and hate God, or you will love God and hate money, but you can't love them both. And it's just impossible, Jesus says, because money is never satisfied. John D. Rockefeller was asked, how much is enough? How many more dollars is enough? And he says, the next one. See, money won't leave you alone. Money will hound you. And there's never enough. When I sit down with a couple and I talk to them about getting married, and we talk about getting married, inevitably one of the things that they fight about is money. Because how many of us fight about money? Every hand goes up. We all fight about money in one way or another. And, and so we'll have this conversation about money and, and, and trying to get them on the same page. And then I said, and then when you have children, you will have even less. You'll have even less money. Because again, there's never, ever enough. And if you spend your entire life working for money, if you spend your entire life working to, to, to gather things, if you spend your entire life trying to get more money, you will never be satisfied because there's never, ever enough. If Rockefeller, one of the richest people who ever lived, said there's not enough, there's never going to be enough for us. And so you can either love God or you can love money, but you can't love both. And only one lasts forever. Money is fleeting. One day you got it and the next you don't. So my encouragement to you is to focus on the things that last forever. In 1 Timothy 6, verses 8 through 10, Paul told Timothy, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. He's talking about his own ministry. And then he says, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. And then he says this, you'll probably sound, this will probably sound familiar. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Now, that may sound familiar, but maybe you've heard it a different way, that money is the root of all evil. That's not what Paul said. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And think about it for a second. Think about all the things that people do for money or stuff. They steal. They kill. The uh, illegal activities, illicit activities. We'll do anything for money, it seems. And it's never enough. He says some people have even wandered from the faith. That they gave up on God because they were greedy. They gave up on God because they wanted more money. And they have pierced themselves with many griefs, they said. Jesus says this in Mark 8, 36. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? What good is it if you get everything in this life, and if you get every toy, and if you get every possession, and if you get a, a huge bank account, and lots of investments, and, and an investment portfolio that rivals Bill Gates? What good does it do you if you lose your soul? What good does it do you in the long run? If you spend eternity in hell because you, you didn't invest your life in the things that really mattered and you only pursued money and you didn't pursue God and you only loved money and you didn't love God, what good does it do you? In the long run, it does you no good at all. And it ends up in destruction. That's what greed does. That's what jealousy does. That's what envy does. And it all comes back to money. 
So what can we do? What can we do? How can we change the script? How can we flip the script? Well, I have some suggestions. And, and what that's a, the, it all comes down to this, is to be a giver, to, to give it away. And, and there's two facets to giving it away. First, we need to be a cheerful giver. We need to be a cheerful giver. The Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. And in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8, he says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should have decided, should Give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Notice what he says there. How many times he uses the word all. You will have all that you need. If you invest in the things that last forever, you'll have all that you need. You will abound in every good work. That if you invest your stuff and in your possessions and, and your resources and your money, if you invest those things in the things of God, God will make sure that you have everything that you need. And even then, he will give you even more so that you can even give more away. The purpose of the things that we have is not for ourselves. It's to be given away to others to bless other people and to bless God. And God loves a cheerful, grateful giver. And when we cheerfully give it away, and we willingly give it away, when we surrender our gifts to Jesus and say, take it, God abounds, our blessings abound even more. I'm not talking about a prosperity gospel of, you know, send me 50 bucks uh, a week, and, and I'll make, you know, and God will bless your socks off, and you'll have a, two Ferraris and a Lamborghini and, and a, and a 25,000 square foot mansion, you know, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about spiritual blessings of giving. That God will make sure you have everything you need if you will give it away. And, and here's the thing. Uh, here's, here's the suggestion when it comes to giving. And that suggestion is, is it, it's not, a, it's not a, a law, it's not a rule, and that's a tithe. And we talk about tithes and offerings here at GFCC every week. And, and, and one of the things that we talk about, this idea of a tithe is an Old Testament commandment but it's not necessarily repeated in the New Testament, but it's a good guideline for giving, and that's to give 10% of your income back to God. And you're thinking, 10%? Are you nuts? No. I'll tell you right now, I do it. That's, that's my guideline. That's what I give. I give 10% of my income. I'm not doing that to brag. I'm not trying to make you think, oh, wow, Sean's a great guy. I am, but that's not why. That's not why. But I do tithe my income, and I want to encourage you to try it. I want to encourage you to try tithing for a paycheck or two. And it's real simple. If you make $500 a week, you take the decimal point, move it one to the left, and you get 50 bucks. 50 bucks! Or if you make $1,000 a week, congratulations. If you make $1,000 a week, take that decimal point, move it one over to the, one to the left, and give $100. 100 bucks! No, no, don't think, of, don't think of it this way. Don't think of it, well, I have to give $100. Think, I get to keep $900. I get to keep 900 bucks. What can you do with $900 a week? And let me tell you what you're going to do with it. You're going to blow it. Because that's what we do, right? How many trips to the drive-thru can you go for 900 bucks? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Wendy's, KFC. Oh, too close to lunchtime. Too close to lunchtime. I'm sorry. But we need to be cheerful when we give. 
knowing that God is the source of our blessings, that God is the one who has given it to us. And so when we are cheerful when we give, God cheerfully gives to us. And he takes care of our every need. So we need to be cheerful givers. The next thing we also, we need to be consistent givers. Consistent givers. In 1 Corinthians 16, uh, 1 and 2, it says this. Now about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. And Paul was talking about how they were funding his ministry. But it's a good principle to say, I'm going to consistently give to the work of God's people. I'm going to consistently give to the work of the church and, and to the work of God's kingdom. And here's the thing. I want you to know this. That the money that you give is not taken lightly. It's not taken for granted. We are thankful. We are grateful. The leadership is thankful and grateful for every dollar that's given by our church family. But I want you to know that is what is used to fund the ministry of GFCC. So every person who gets baptized is because you gave. Every child who goes through our children's ministry and learns about how much Jesus loves them, that's because you gave. Uh, the, the, the heat in the, sum, in the wintertime, the cool in the summertime, uh, the lights, uh, everything. Uh, this building is, is heated and, and cooled uh, and lit because of the dollars that you give. The salaries that we pay our staff is because of the dollars that you give. My kid has Pokemon cards because you give. In all seriousness, I want to encourage you to be consistent givers. And I don't want, I, I never want to get up and say, oh, the church is in trouble. We're having so many problems, financial problems. It's not the case. I want to tell you that, that God loves a cheerful, consistent giver. And it reflects an attitude of thanksgiving and gratitude in your heart to him for what he's done for you. And so if you struggle with consistent giving, I have a suggestion I want to make. And that is that you check out our website at gfcc.net slash give and sign up for online giving. That's what I do. And, and some people may say, well, you never think about it. <laughs> That's not true. Because every Friday, after I get paid and my, my debit card gets debited uh, for what I give to the church for my tithe, I get an email immediately. It says, this is Griffith First Christian Church. Thank you for giving to our ministry. May God bless you. And I'm reminded, hey, I gave today. I gave this week. My offering was given this week. And it reminds me that I am a thankful, cheerful, grateful giver. And so if you haven't signed up for online giving yet, I encourage you. It'll help you be more consistent in your giving. Uh, and it'll help you uh, to, uh, it, it leads to more trust in God. Uh, saying, okay, God, you're not going to get my leftovers. You're not going to get the scraps. You're going to get the first. And when we do that, God continues to pour out blessings on us. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11, this is what Paul said about giving. He says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Notice what he says. You will be enriched in every way so that, why? So that you can be generous on every occasion. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are enriched to be generous. And if we as a church can be generous and if we will be a blessing to those around us we will reach more people for jesus we will see more lives transformed for jesus and we will spend eternity uh, seeing people whose lives are transformed by the money that we gave and heaven will be populated with transformed people and transformed lives because we were willing to invest ourselves and invest our time our talent our treasure in things that matter for eternity